The Tom Woods Show, episode 2236. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hey, everybody, we all know it is time for us to break up, but everybody's status quo bias is standing in the way of this obvious and humane solution. Check out my brand new ebook called National Divorce, The Peaceful Solution to Irreconcilable Differences, which you can get for free at nationaldivorce.com. Hey, everybody, Tom Woods here, back with Jason Rink again, the most canceled filmmaker in America. And that is not an empty boast, my friends. I defy you to find anybody more canceled than Jason Rink. Great guy, of course, you had to know that from the very fact that they go after him the, the way they do. I've known Jason, I don't know how long I've known you, at least 12 years, but it's got to be longer than that. Yeah, Tom, we go back a ways, man. I was telling you not too long ago, I believe in 2009, I did a Oh, 2009. On your book, Who Killed the Constitution? And it was just a podcast we had going on after the Ron Paul 2008 campaign there in Ohio. So I think that's the first time I connected with you. And then you know, after that, it was just a series of events and the Nullify Now tour and all of the madness since. So, yeah, that's right. And then, of course, I was featured in your nullification documentary, which was like 10 years ago, I think. Yes. Maybe around 2012. Yeah, that sounds right. I think that's yeah. put it out. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's been a pretty crazy ride ever since. And I'm happy to say that the ideas of secession and nullification are kind of back on the radar. Yeah, indeed. How could they not be? By the way, I have hanging here in my office the promo poster for nullification. It's one of my cherished pieces of memorabilia. Another thing I have featuring Jason Rink in my office is the promo poster for the rally that you and I were part of with Jordan Page in Oklahoma City Yes, all those years ago. Yes, I have one as well. So that's terrific. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and I go back a ways, and I'll tell you something. You had something called the Foundation for a Free Society back then. Yeah. And you did a lot of good work. But I, at that time, I would not have pegged you as the guy who was going to become the most canceled filmmaker in America. I thought you were producing good libertarian content, but I never thought of you... And I mean, frankly, I still don't think of you as somebody who was out there on the fringes saying things that are barely acceptable. And yet here we are. So either you changed or the world changed. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, Tom. You know, I think when I got banned from Facebook the first time and lost my account, a lot of people that followed me on there were actually really surprised because they said, you know, yeah, you talked about political things, but you were always kind of the peacemaker, you know, wanting to include people, get really engaging conversations going on there. So, you know, I was never out there saying the most radical or divisive or inflammatory no. things. No, uh, not at all. And in fact, you you have this, we all know people who are like this, whose natural resting face is the opposite of the bitch resting face, you're the resting bitch face, yeah. you are the resting smiling guy face. <laughs> you know, you, you're you always upbeat. You know, you always have that kind of countenance. And so it's just odd to me. I, I have, look, let me tell you something. I have some friends. I think we have some mutual friends. I could easily see being the most canceled filmmakers in America. <laughs> it's just you don't seem to fit the profile, but such are events, I suppose. Well, Tom, it's like you've been covering though, and this really is, all through the 2020, 2021, 2022, 
you know, what you saw and what you talked to everybody about was this idea of anything that goes counter narrative that undermines the narrative of the regime and the mainstream media that then becomes the most dangerous thing, right? And so, you know, it was that way with the pandemic and COVID. And now it's this way with the election and January 6th. And so, you know, I found myself making a film on the uh, 2020 election and then January 6th. Well, those are on the list of things that you cannot talk about openly on social media platforms. Well, I'll tell you something. I have started to come to the conclusion that when I see an outlet like NPR describe something as, quote, a baseless conspiracy theory, that doesn't mean that it's automatically true, but it means I should look into it. <laughs> right. And that hasn't steered me wrong a whole lot of times. So for example, somebody just dug up from, I guess, probably a couple of years ago now, NPR saying that Donald Trump, or so, I don't know if it was Trump, but somebody was parroting a, quote, baseless conspiracy theory about a lab leak being responsible for COVID. Oh, yeah, wow. And yeah, now, first of all, I don't even see why that would be a conspiracy. I guess the conspiracy would be the cover-up of it. Right. Everybody has, you know, everybody makes mistakes, even medical labs, I suppose, make mistakes. But it, I guess it was more that the allegation was that some people knew about it and were covering it up. Yeah. But now... Even NPR is reporting, oh, yeah, it might have been a lab leak. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but they call that a baseless conspiracy theory. And incidentally, it seems to me, I don't want to get on this tangent. I want to stick with the topic of our episode. But if it really were a lab leak, then that almost certainly has to mean that a cover-up has been involved. Because if there were a lab leak, is it really possible for Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci to be blissfully unaware of this? Is that actually possible? I don't see it. I don't see it. Exactly. Again, this is where we find ourselves, you know, and we're at the place now where it's only until the New York Times reports a certain angle of a story that then those who are on the regime and on the left can then actually talk about it, right? So yeah. it's like, right. like we're seeing that now with some of these baseless conspiracy theories, right? And so, uh, you know, it's always a joy to try to navigate the changing rules of journalism, filmmaking, and social media. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And incidentally, I am very pleased to say, as we are recording this, we are speaking on the very same day where in the evening, you're going to be joining my membership group, the Tom Woods School of Life, to talk about what life has been like for you as somebody who has been so systematically canceled, and yet your businesses are flourishing, you're living on your own terms, you live by your own rules and your own values, and you're flourishing anyway. And I think that's a really important thing to share with people. And I know you have a lot of insights for people who want to transition out of soul-crushing careers. And you're able to give them advice as somebody who's had everything you could possibly dream of in your worst nightmare happen to them. Okay, it all happened to me. And look, I'm still standing. You know, I'm still here to tell the tale. Yeah, I have no excuses. And again, it's, a lot of it's had to do with optimism, Tom, and, and really just trying to maintain control over my own destiny, right? I think a lot of times with everything that we're doing around freedom and liberty and all of that, it's like the biggest problem is people are putting so much control over their life into the hands of politicians and federal government, state government, whatever. It has an impact. But so much of what we do and create and how we experience freedom in our own lives has so much to do about the decisions we're making, the things that we're creating, how committed we are to certain things. So yeah, I'm looking forward to 
talking about that and and the film that we just released. Well, it's actually a series. Q sent me. It's a limited series, three part series that's just come out. Is actually the manifestation of a project that I just remained totally committed, intentional to. Had everything thrown at me to try to keep it from coming out, and and now it's going out into the world. So I'm super excited about that. Well, here's the thing. So the film is about the so-called Q shaman. We're going to get into all the details of this in a minute. But at least the first of the three episodes? Yep. Okay. The first of these episodes, which I watched the other night, and I feel quite certain that the other episodes will be the same way, does not really involve editorializing. It involves letting him tell his story and his acquaintances and friends and people just who know him Yep. saying things about him because wouldn't it be valuable, no matter what your opinion is, to know who this man is and what he thinks? Yeah. So it's incredible that anybody could be hysterical about that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You know, we, we, I've said that we likely have the largest collection of Jacob Chansley Q shaman video footage on the planet. And we've got a large one regarding January 6th and, and everything having to do with that. But so much of what we do in the film is, we show him in his own words, whether it's in a sit-down interview, we have video of him talking to the FBI, yeah. we have words of people who are close to him, and then we just sort of show video that sort of supports everything that he talks about and, you know, supports, you know, other things. And so, yeah, we really wanted to do it in a very cinema verite style, like, hey, here's this story unfolding and use that as a pathway for people to come in and also learn some different things about January 6th, you know, the events leading up to it, the events of that day, and then the aftermath and implications, which is where we're going in the next couple of episodes. So we wanted to do that. You know, it was like, hey, we don't need to over-editorialize this. We can just show the events, bring the footage, bring the sound bites, let people decide like, hey, do they think this guy's crazy? Is he a BLM leftist? You know, is he dangerous? What have you. And part of the idea there was saying, look, if we can take people on a journey with the most recognizable figure from January 6th, and we can demonstrate that there are some things about that narrative <laughs> that have not been truthfully told or you haven't gotten the full story on, you know, is it possible that there's other aspects of this narrative that that is also true about? Right. So can we start with a little bit of his background? Because although he says some things that are the kinds of things I would say, he's coming to the table here from rather a different perspective. I'm going to ask you about Q separately. Yep. But who is the Q shaman? And what's his background? And how does it happen that he comes to be there on January 6th? Yeah, so we will be digging into a little bit more of his personal history. We did a sit-down interview with his mom that we haven't even introduced yet into episode one. That's going to come out in episode two. So, you know, people will find a little bit about like, you know, where this guy came from, you know, who was he, you know, he did spend some time in the military. He's been a longtime activist in Arizona around issues like child trafficking, you know, and then really just kind of out there talking about what I would say is a lot of different quote unquote conspiracy theories. I mean, you know, that the Federal Reserve prints money out of thin air and, you know, funds a globalist economic, you know, house of cards. Not really a conspiracy theory, right? Uh, but, but the things that tend to be 
connected with anti-establishment thinkers and other things around the Alex Jones world, maybe of conspiracies. You know, he spent time sort of in activism trying to wake people up to this kind of stuff for a long time prior to the 2020 election. And so he was kind of a loner. He just didn't have a ton of friends. He, you know, didn't have a lot of steady work. You know, he worked a handful of different things here and there, but was really kind of a full-time activist to the point he could and a full-time student of the things he was interested in. And so you will find that he was sort of hanging around at Phoenix, Arizona in the lead up to the Stop the Steal rallies in the 2020 election. And when that went down, that's when he inserted himself into that activist movement and started to go around the country to different Stop the Steal rallies, talking about what he believed was the stolen election. And he was a pretty rabid Trump supporter. He wasn't always, but between 2016 and 2020, became very, very passionate about Trump, really liked a lot of the things that Trump was all about, and believed that Trump was being done wrong by the media and you know by the deep state. So that's sort of the background on that guy. And, and really, I think when people hear from him and hear him talk and learn more about him, there's a lot of ideas he has that you're going to just nod your head to. You know, it's like the corruption of the government, the military industrial complex, you know, all of these things. COVID, he was rabidly anti-COVID lockdowns, masks and mandates. He protested about that all through the lockdown and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's really when he gets into the QAnon set of ideas that he becomes a little more of an outlier because QAnon is not a mainstream idea as much as the media would like you to believe that it is. Yeah, I mean, you would think that somebody like me, who's sort of out of the mainstream, I should be deep into this stuff. And I still, to this day, I still don't actually know what QAnon is or was supposed to be. But it seems to me, based on the little bits and pieces that I've gotten, that the kinds of assurances being given to the, what we might, I guess, call the patriot community by QAnon mm -hmm. do not seem to have materialized. Yeah, exactly. So the idea behind it was these Q drops were coming online. And one guy that we interviewed who's you know a professor who teaches a class on conspiracy theories, frankly, down at the University of Miami, he said QAnon is like a decentralized online cult. It's his opinion. And it's interesting to note that there's a dimension of it that that is that way. You know, there's this sort of the Q drops are sort of like the scriptures and the people get together and they talk about what they mean and they look for the clues to see the fulfillment of these. So there was a lot of that going on in the lead up to the 2020 election. And they were supposedly coming from somebody inside the deep state who was like a good guy or a white hat, you know? And so... What happened was some of these Q drops and some of this information made it seem like Donald Trump was sort of doing a 4D chess situation where, you know, it looked like he was going to be defeated or whatever, but all of his enemies were going to be exposed. Eventually, Donald Trump was going to be inaugurated. In fact, when we interviewed Jake on January 7th, he still thought Trump was going to be inaugurated two weeks later, which, you know, most people recognize that after January 6th, any fraction of a percentage that that would happen was gone. You know, there was just no way it was going to happen. So yeah, what you find is that though some things may have had truthful ideas, there've been some truth in there as far as the predictions, as far as like what was going to happen. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that Q drops necessarily 
were predictive all the time, but they were considered to be pointing to certain predictive things. And so the bottom line is, I think that at the end of the day, it's possible that the Q drops. And a lot of what was happening with Q was really COINTELPRO or disinformation, that there was likely feds infiltrating the QAnon movement, just like there is any time any group of people, anti-establishment on the left or right, are getting together in groups or talking online, you can pretty much be sure that there's some sort of Fed informant in there in some capacity. And so, you know, that's what Jake was. And he was a true believer. I don't know if he is right now after spending the time in jail that he spent. And he is still in jail right now. I think he may have some reservations about some of the things that he was vocally in support of. But I've called it the Golden Corral salad buffet of conspiracy theories as well, because you know, you kind of find them all there. You know, there's they're sort of all brought together in one grand conspiracy package with QAnon. I watched the footage in which he's inside the Capitol. Yep. And there is a point where, and I'm I can't remember if it's him or if it's somebody else, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was him saying to one of the police officers, look, I want you to know we support you and we totally understand you're just doing your job today. And, you know, we're glad to leave. You know, we've done what we, whatever, we've made our statement or whatever, like we're glad to leave. And I thought to myself, geez, isn't this interesting that after all this, somebody like him would still have a kind of quaintly naive view of the police who are the enforcement arm of the regime. Yeah, they're doing their jobs, but that's their job. Yeah. Is to be the enforcement arm of the regime that is now doing to him what it's doing to him. Yeah, Tom, you're pointing to something that I really think a lot of, you know, libertarians, libertarian-leaning people, people that are in your audience, you know, the sort of psychology that we uncover around Jake and his relationship with, on one hand, being very skeptical of the globalist, the deep state, understanding that there's all this massive corruption at the federal level, and at the same time, being still a very back-the-blue guy. And even to the point where when, you know, we have a couple of moments or, you know, minutes of footage where he's talking to the FBI and it comes out in those calls that he is just very trusting naively that he is not going to be taken into custody, you know, that they're not going to use what he's saying against them, which in fact, the entire purpose of the call is for them to get information that then they can use to turn into a judge to get him sent away for as long as possible. And so, I do think it's interesting, and I think this is something that is definitely present on the conservative side of the aisle in a very weird way where you see this, like, you know, cognitive dissonance (laughs) around power in law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I understand where it's coming from, because the same people who, you know, think of themselves as patriots, they think of an old America, you know, like an Andy Griffith-style America, you know, where Andy Griffith is the local sheriff and... He seems innocent enough, and they see the police being put upon by radical leftists, so they think, well, the police must therefore be the good guys. And this is one of those cases where, uh, you know, maybe there aren't any good guys, or maybe there's bad guys and worse guys or whatever, but it is an interesting blind spot, and it's an important corrective that libertarians can offer. Yes. Now, he has a different reason, somewhat different reason, for going into the Capitol and into the Senate chamber than other people. He wants to say a prayer in there because his shamanism has convinced him that a particular kind of prayer in there can make certain changes to 
and now I can't remember exactly realm. how he... The quantum realm. The quantum realm, right, which is, is not, at least in his brief explanations of it, is not, let's say, fully fleshed out. Yeah. So that's what's going on. So have you been able to get to the bottom of what his spiritual views are? Yeah, and again, this is also some things that we'll probably tease out a little bit more as we move through okay. the future episodes. But it's great to talk about because, you know, one thing I think that is so important is as we're trying to be not politically divided, but actually have understanding with people that we can, let's be real, with many people on the left, there is no room for agreement or discussion. That ship has sailed. But when it comes to understanding why a guy would go into the middle of the Senate, do a chant on the balcony, lead people in a, in a group prayer, also do chants and drumming outside of the Supreme Court and other monuments around Washington, D.C., it is interesting. And so from Jake's perspective, he has this belief around this idea that Washington, D.C. and seats of power are filled with darkness, corruption, even black magic, right? And so if people or someone or groups of people can get together and do things in order to counteract that black magic or darkness with you know, the power of light, God, you know, whatever it is, that we can sort of break up the strongholds in the spiritual realm to lead to actual change in the physical plane. And, you know, this isn't a totally out there idea. I mean, this is, you see this in different traditions, right? Around the interaction between the spiritual and the physical. And so when he has the opportunity to go into the Senate, he sees it as a spiritual mission in order for him to actually bring the forces of good to dominate the forces of evil. And so I think it's important from a standpoint, number one of what, you know, was he violent? Should he be spending 41 months in prison for going in there? Or did he have in his mind almost a religious duty in order to do that? Like, as far as he was concerned, like God opened the door for him in a lot of ways. He's like, I find myself a shaman able to break up the dark forces of the quantum realm in Washington, D.C., this could be a game changer. So yes, that is a true motivation for him. He talked about it a number of times. He talked about it when he goes, we have a segment in the film where he's on the Alex Jones show and we get a back and forth. People will enjoy that segment because you would naturally think Alex Jones would be a real fan of this guy. And it turns out that that call goes a little differently, but he talks about this whole spiritual warfare quantum realm stuff there as well. Yeah, I remember you can see him on the phone talking to Alex Jones yeah. in your footage there. Yeah, we kind of have and, sides of the call. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, okay, I mean, I get that he wants to spread his ideas, but he's a little tone deaf as to what the situation calls for. I mean, you, but on the other hand, it says something interesting about him because surely he has to know that he could become an instant hero by simply saying on Alex Jones, I was standing up for all the silent voices out there who we don't get our opinions heard and we get made fun of in the media and they disparage us and stomp all over us. But this was my attempt to kind of stick a finger in their eye and say, we're still out here. I mean, he could have said something like that and been an instant hero, but instead he takes the opportunity to spread shamanism. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, you have to hand it to him on some level. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he is a very, another thing that comes out really interesting on the different phone calls of people he talks to, you know, there's a scene where he, He's talking to a reporter who later on, we show the news report that she does about him, but 
we have sort of the behind the scenes on the call. And, you know, he says to the woman, well, you're the mockingbird media. I'm not going to talk to you. You're just going to tell lies about me. But then he's like, have a blessed day or whatever. God bless you. You know, you know, he's says Semper Fi to the FBI guy after he gets off the phone with him, you know, hey, I just want to make your life easier. You see this thing coming out of Jake, which we saw time and time again, where he was like very concerned about being nice to other people, being polite, taking other people's feelings into consideration. I mean, you know, I'll mention one other thing. We, If you go to Movies Plus, mymoviesplus.com and watch the episode, we also have a teaser for the episode two there. There's a phone call moment where Jake was asked if he wanted Donald Trump to pardon him. And he's like, I don't want to burden the president. He's got so much on his plate, you know? And so this is just really how the guy is, you know? He's, yeah. He's a nice guy. He's very open and authentic with what he has to say. Yeah, he's got some unconventional beliefs, pretty naive about law enforcement, might have made a bad decision here. But when we think about someone who actually was going to overthrow democracy as we know it, yeah, just not there. Yeah, yeah. That's my impression also. Before I go on, let me say a quick thing that will help a lot of you and you know who you are. If you are in business and you're getting buried by your competition online, then build your brand, your reputation, and your lead flow with digital marketing by Persist SEO, our great sponsor. If you're a small local business, you're trying to compete against large companies in the service industry, increase your visibility with Persist SEO. Or if you have low or no leads coming in on a consistent basis, well, website search engine and conversion optimization can help move the needle to a more prosperous business model for you. If you're tired of cold calling, use your website as a lead generation engine. If you're not showing up for your services on the search engines, then get found with Persist SEO's expert search engine optimization. All you have to do is call 770-580-3736 or visit them at ineedseo.help for a free website audit and consultation. That's 770-580-3736 or ineedseo.help. I liked also, you mentioned when he was speaking to a journalist he thought was going to portray him unfairly. And he just said, look, I know how the mockingbird media, you know, distorts people's views and stuff. And so I would prefer to have this interview under other conditions where I can have some control over it. And so he just drops that little mockingbird reference in there, a reference to Operation Mockingbird involving CIA influence over major news and opinion outlets in the U.S. So he's well-schooled in that stuff. Yeah, he really is. And, you know, it's funny, when he was talking to the FBI agent, this may come out in one of the other episodes as well. We've got certain content we're going to continue to tease out and bring out to help clarify some things. He started talking to this FBI agent all about Comey. He was like, you know, he probably was your boss. I don't know if I should be saying this, but, you know, James Comey was the most corrupt SOB and here's what he did. And, you know, and he's, he's, it's like he thinks he can convince an FBI agent to like change sides and become part of the Patriot movement if only he would understand how bad James Comey is and all these people. And, and it's like anybody who's thinking straight, you know, in my opinion, is like, you know, this FBI guy is not not my friend. And I'm not going to convince him on this phone call where he's trying to get information to put me in jail. 
that he's working for a corrupt organization and to like change sides or whatever. Like, it's just, it is a very optimistic, naive sort of perspective around how power works, I think, and, and some other things. So it is just, I think we had a lot of fun making the film. I mean, we are really hate what's going on with Jake because we feel like he's a political prisoner. He was turned into the face of the day. The Department of Justice had to throw the book at him. There was no way they could let him go. And yet, he didn't commit any violence, didn't damage any property. He's really, you know, a pretty nice guy. He's a likable guy. But at the same time, I think there's a lot that people will be interested to learn. And it is like a window into the psychology of a character who, you know, did what he did. And I think, you know, as a filmmaker, that type of story is very interesting to me. You know, getting to the to the meat of those things and seeing the, the way people are and what they believe and trying to tease that out. So, well, that raises another question. What is your purpose in doing this other than to, you know, release something interesting? Is there some further purpose in it? And maybe philosophical, maybe an activist kind of purpose, or is it simply, here's a guy who's been demonized and let's see what he really thinks about things? Yeah, uh, well, where the series is going to go is, you know, Jake's story is really the A storyline. It's He's sort of the protagonist of the journey. But what it's going to allow us to do, you know, at the end of the first episode, it's when he's taken into custody. He spends 300 days in solitary confinement and he eventually gets, you know, sentenced to prison. And so we're going to take the time through the rest of the story. We've got a lot of other voices that we're bringing in to talk about some of the aspects of, you know, was there federal agent infiltration on January 6th? How has the Department of Justice unequally, you know, administered their power against, you know, the left and the right regarding certain things? You know, how is the January 6th narrative being used to stifle any kind of free speech and dissent? We are going to get into some of the cancellation dimensions of this, you know, as far as as a result of Stop the Steal on January 6th and the impact on that. So we're going to talk about what I would say are the larger ramifications of January 6th as we can see the government moving to double down and continue to make it difficult for people on the dissident right and frankly, people on the dissident left. I mean, you know, people who are really anti-establishment, they are after the anti-establishment people in this nation. It's not just the right wing. And so... That's some of the stuff that we want to get out there. And we're trying to do it in a way that it's through an interesting and engaging story, but people will walk away thinking differently about, you know, the regime, the establishment, the media, how the media spins stories in real time, and how that creates a belief in our culture that can be completely false. That's very hard to disabuse people of. Well, the movie is called Q Sent Me. First episode is available. How do people get it? Yeah, yeah. We are with a platform called Movies Plus. The reason we're with them, by the way, is we had this story in front of the biggest platforms out there. You know, the Netflix, the Hulus, all of those. And we were told, you know, they were offended we would pitch it to them or they wouldn't allow the film to go out unless he was painted as the Osama bin Laden of January 6th. And so we said, you know... We want to tell a story that's journalistically authentic. And so Movies Plus is a platform that they're committed to free speech. You know, they would put the anti-Q Shaman doc up there along with ours, you know, 
So it's not like they're only telling it from one perspective. They're a platform we really support because we believe that if people find platforms that are going to be honest and provide other content that the other platforms are silencing, that there's a market for that. So we're just encouraging people to go to mymoviesplus.com. You can also download the Movies Plus app. And you know, you'll find Q sent me immediately on there. You know, a monthly subscription is like six dollars, an annual subscription is like 30 bucks. We're putting the other episodes out, one in December, then the final one in January. And so for us, we said, look, we're gonna partner and encourage people to cast a vote for free speech for a platform. We're not making as much money as we would if we would have gone some other routes, but that wasn't as important to us as trying to do something that's going to elevate a, another platform alongside what we're doing. So that's where they can go check it out. I also do have a Twitter account for the film that hasn't been shut down yet. It's QCentMovie on Twitter. And we'll be making updates there as well about the release of the future episodes and any other developments that are happening. Well, I'll have both of those things linked at tomwoods.com slash 2236. I like what you're saying about Movies Plus. It sounds like you made the right call. And I have a feeling that people listening will agree with you that sometimes, as consumers also, we want to make an extra effort to reward platforms that are standing against the grain. And again, I think when you see, I haven't seen episodes two and three, it's true, but I know you and I've seen the first one and I've seen some of your other material. It's safe to say that there is nothing evil about this. <laughs> you know, not, nothing, there's nothing even subversive about it. It is simply the telling of a story because there are two sides to every story and you get to hear this person's words and there's no attempt to hide how, let's say, idiosyncratic he is. Let's put it that way. There's no, that is on full display here. This is the full man. And if you're curious about the man who, as you say, is like the, if not the poster child for the event, who he is the visual we will always have in our minds about it, well, there's no better place to do it without all the editorial commenting that you would get elsewhere than Q sent me. So definitely check out mymoviesplus.com and support them, but also support Jason Rink, who probably, when he got started on this project, had absolutely no idea what it was going to do to his life. That's my wild guess, Jason. <laughs> you got that right, man. I mean, when we released the trailer, and that's what led us to lose, me to lose my personal Twitter account, I'm banned for life there, really. It was very shocking because I said, we're not praising Trump in this. We're not saying he won. We're not, you know, telling people to be violent. We're just like, hey, look at this crazy guy who got into the Senate and we got an interview with him. Are you interested? That was enough to get me pretty much nuked from all the big platforms. So I think it's interesting and, and that's why I also want people to see it so they can see like, wow, it isn't because content necessarily... People can see the arbitrary nature of what is being canceled when they see this episode. Because like you said, Tom, it's a pretty straightforward telling. Uh, I think we've done a good job. I think it's a high quality doc. We didn't just rip a bunch of footage from YouTube. We've got a lot of great quality footage in there. Very ex you know, exclusive stuff. So yeah, yeah, check it out. And it, you guys reach out to me if you do check out the film. You know, Let me know what you think about it. We're always looking to get feedback from people, see how audiences respond. Well, just one last thing. Whenever it was that that initial... Dave Chappelle comedy special came. I mean, maybe it was years at this point. I, I don't. I don't remember. But I remember being told that, oh my goodness, he says such terrible things about the LGBTQ world. 
So I thought, all right, well, I'm going to listen carefully and see what it is. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that was it. That section right there. Now he's done talking about that. That is what had everybody. I thought things 500 million times worse are said about me and causes and people I love every single day of the year, 24 hours a day by every respectable outlet. I mean, so again, I say to these people, try walking in our shoes for 10 minutes, yeah. okay? You'll be begging to get Dave Chappelle back. You'll be begging to have Dave Chappelle be your worst problem. Yeah, that's the thing, Thomas. It's like I've told people before, I'm like, you know, this film, you know, I think it's good, but it has been built up a little bit. You're like, wow, this thing's been totally canceled. It's banned, everything. You expect it to be so like, you know, people are going to like overthrow the government as a result. No, it's it. Yeah, right. You're thinking I better close all the curtains. I better not even let my neighbors know I'm watching. <laughs> you know, and then you say, what? That was it. So so anyway, mymoviesplus.com. Everybody go check out Q sent me. Jason Rank, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Tom. All right, folks, before we wrap up this episode, let me speak to the Rush fans out there. I know I must have some Rush fans. I don't mean Rush Limbaugh. I mean the band Rush. Because I want to tell you about a Rush podcast started by a married couple who are listeners of The Tom Woods Show. Julianne and Adam Bali are married Rush fans. And on their podcast, which is The Rush Discuss, they talk about the songs of Rush and they pair them up and battle out which ones they'd keep if they had to pick. And the songs are grouped into multiple categories, hits, less favored tracks, philosophical tracks, and more. And so in addition to them battling out songs in tournament-style brackets, they bring on guests, including, for example, recently Brad Berzer, who's been a guest on The Tom Woods Show multiple times, to enlighten everybody on many different topics tangentially connected to these culturally significant lyrics. And so they're hoping to spread a passion for independent thought, human flourishing, and striving to overcome mediocrity by highlighting the philosophy and cultural relevance that these songs hold. So even if you're not a Rush fan, you'll enjoy the discussions and maybe find a song whose lyrics will resonate with you and be a source of uplift in your life. So check out the show at RushDiscush.com. So Rush, D-I-S-C-U-S-H, RushDiscush.com, or follow them on any streaming platform. So check that out. I'll have it linked at TomWoods.com slash 2236. And if you have thought about starting a website, before you start that website, check out tomwoods.com slash publicity to find out how I can help you. But you gotta check it out before you start the site. I can give you a promo. I can give you free tutorials to get you up and running faster. I can put you in a, I have a special private group for everybody who takes me up on this offer. And it's a group in which we can all help each other out. It's a lot of resources and they don't cost you an extra cent I'm giving them to you, and they will give you a big advantage. So check that out at tomwoods.com slash publicity. I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of the Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.